Hey, Bingers. Hey, y'all. I'm Claire. And I'm Kelly. And this is Binge Me. Thanks for joining us again for another week. And today we are wrapping up WandaVision, which is so bittersweet. Ugh, it is that. bittersweet because we know there's not going to be a season two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there will be continued movies, so, you know. Right. And they they really used this to set up a lot of future things that can happen, which I think is really cool. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited to see where they go. We're going to talk about all of that. We definitely have a packed episode for you guys because we're going to go out with a bane. So many things to talk about. So many things. Ugh. Uh, we really dove into a lot of like the comic book history to this episode, which was really fascinating. Honestly, I might start getting into the comics now a little bit. We'll see. But before we get into everything with episodes seven through nine, I just want to also share that this is a very special episode, not just because we're wrapping up WandaVision, but Kelly, this is our 10th podcast <gasps> episode number 10 not if you count um the little trailer we did that would be 11 but yeah this is technically number 10 that was like our introduction so that doesn't count as a full episode look at us big one zero we're in double digits claire i know only 99 more to go to get to three <laughs> digits <laughs> Look, I am awake. It's it's afternoon this time, so like I'm feeling pumped and ready for this episode. I know. I am too. Usually we record pretty late at night. I'm so tired usually. <laughs> this time we did it in an afternoon, so we were refreshed and excited to go. Um, but yeah, so like before we get into episodes seven through nine, we have been like following this um uh, set up where we talk about different elements of the show. So like last episode, we dived into the music and this time we really want to dive into the commercials because that's not a piece that we've really touched upon yet. So Kelly, do you want to kick us off with that? Yes. Okay. So um, there are commercials in almost every episode except for number four and number nine. They all contain references to people, events, etc. from the MCU. And the production team says they contain key clues to the central mystery at the heart of WandaVision. And Kevin Feige said about the ads, it's where other truths of the show begin to leak out. So you might just think that they're like in there for the sitcom, but they got a lot of information. So let's start with the first episode. This is the Toastmate Toaster 2000 from Stark Industries. Um, this is the commercial where the man and the woman are making toast. Oh, and as an aside, it's the same man and woman in all of the commercials. So an article I read, <clears throat> early theories were that these were Wanda's mom and dad. But episode eight debunked that because we got to see mm. Wanda's mom and dad. So we see the Toastmate Toaster 2000 from Stark Industries. Um, it's flashing a red light, which is the first spot of color that we get to see. And this harkens back to Wanda when she uh, is staring at the bomb that killed her parents. And she and Pietro are 
threatened by it and they're just waiting for it to go off. And this ultimately led them to Strucker, which led them to the experiments that enhanced their powers. Oh, I didn't even think of that connection of how it Mm -hmm. continued. Yep. So the lever on the toaster makes the same sound as Iron Man's blasters, Hmm. which I thought was really pretty cool. Um, The tagline of this is, forget the past, this is your future, which is another nod to the bomb. Right. She had to forget about her past with her parents and Pietro, and it led them to Hydra. I thought it was interesting, too, that the toaster could do things other than make toast, if you noticed that. It was like meatloaf and something. I don't know. It was like, okay, well, obviously, this goes beyond that. And I wonder if that's also a nod to Iron Man because, like, he has that suit that can do so much, all the tricks and gadgets. Yeah, and... maybe his, like, elevating the suit each time. It gets mm-hmm. better and better as the mm-hmm. MCU goes on. Good point. Yep. Okay, so in episode two, we get the Strucker watch. The faceplate reads, Strucker Swiss Made Hydra 1000M with the Hydra logo in the center. Um. And this obviously indicates the time period in which Wanda and Pietro were with Hydra and being experimented on. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the commercial, time is ticking faster and faster, which could indicate that time in this reality is running out for Wanda. The announcer says in the commercial, Strucker, he'll make time for you, which indicates or leads back to the time of course again that Wanda and Pietro spent with them um they radicalized after their parents were murdered or killed and they went to Hydra because they said they wanted to change the world so like Hydra took them in and made time for them ah makes sense yeah um and we see this we see where Strucker and Hydra experimented on Wanda and Pietro in the post-credit scene of um, Winter Soldier. Yeah. Also, Wanda can manipulate time, so mm. that could also be where the watch references come from. In episode three, we get the Hydra Soak, which is the stressed out mom who needs a vacation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she needs to find the goddess within, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, they flash to her taking a bath and relaxing with Hydra Soak. And the tagline on this one is for when you want to get away, but you don't want to go anywhere. Mm. So this is kind of like Wanda is getting away, but she doesn't really go anywhere. She just creates a fake reality. Uh, And when they say find the goddess within, there are some theories that this is referencing Wanda's power, that she's basically like a goddess or a god. Yes, I have some history about this and I'm so excited to get into. So I'm glad you brought that up. Awesome. Um, Let's see. Episode four does not have a commercial. So then episode five, this is the Lagos brand paper towels. And if you remember from the movies, Lagos is where Wanda accidentally kills several civilians in Captain America's Civil War. Uh, She's trying to divert the bomb away from Captain America, and she blasts it into the building and... This starts a whole like downward spiral for her because mm-hmm. she it obviously was an accident, um, but she doesn't know how to rectify the situation in her mind. And this starts the whole Sokovian Accords 
and everything. So this is a big moment in the movies. Um, the Lagos brand paper towels are billed as what to use when you make a mess you didn't mean to, which is like spot on, right? Right. I can't believe they went there. They they really did. They also used a red liquid that the they wipe up with the paper towels, like Wanda has blood on her hands. Yeah, that's that part. When I realized what it was in reference to, I mean, damn. Yeah, like, it was a, it was oof. a little rough. Yeah. Um, so then we have episode six, which is Yo Magic Yogurt. Creepiest one yet. It's super creepy. It's a spoof of the 90s, 2000s stop motion clay motion or claymation ads. So that was like a big thing in the 90s and 2000s was that stop motion stuff. It's called The Snack for Survivors, even though the dude doesn't survive. Um, it's the first, <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert. It's the first ad that doesn't have the two actors in the other commercials. This is all Mm -hmm. claymation. So I saw a few different theories on this one. Uh, Men's Health said it could be symbolizing the people of Westview who are getting Wanda's magic, but are eventually just going to run out of gas and die. And how the outskirts of town are glitching. um, So, like, no one in this is going to survive, even though they're getting fuel from Wanda, which is like the Yo Magic. Yeah. Uh, Good Housekeeping references a Reddit thread where fans are speculating that the commercial is hinting at a new villain, Mephisto, which we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. Several of the jokes and references made throughout the scenes, um, they predicted Pietro was the devil and Mephisto is in disguise and the shark is symbolic of how the villain will use his magic against Wanda and or her family. Mm. Now we know, of course, that Mephisto doesn't really come up in the episodes like we predicted, but that was just one of the theories before we got to the end. Um, Another theory is Radio Times thinks it could be a way to reference Vision's frequent foe, the Grim Reaper, which, as Claire mentioned, we see his helmet or hood buried in the house. And Grim Reaper is actually Vision's brother. Oh, I didn't know that. He is. I, I found that out in my research. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know how. I just know that yeah. they're brothers. <laughs> this is a totally wild theory that probably makes no sense, but I wonder if they would turn White Vision into the Grim Reaper, since he's not necessarily his brother, obviously, but a clone or whatever of him, or him come back to life, not a clone. But that's probably not. Well, I have the some. Case. I'll have some information on White Vision later. So okay, we'll see how that pans out. And there are many more theories on this. Um, commercial alone, but those are just the ones I got into. Um, Episode 7 is the most telling ad, in my opinion. This is the ad for Nexus, which is an antidepressant. And the tagline on this one is, feeling depressed like the world goes on without you? Do you just want to be left alone? And this evokes Wanda's desire to be left alone with her family. She's created this whole reality and this whole world just so she can be left alone with her family. Uh, The commercial says, ask your doctor about Nexus, a unique antidepressant that works to anchor you back to your reality or the reality of your choice. And this is an obvious reference to Wanda's fake reality she's created. The side effects of Nexus include feeling your feelings, confronting your truth, seizing your destiny, and possibly more depression. (laughs) (laughs) Just like a real drug commercial. I mean, really, there's always side effects, but you know. Seize your destiny and feel your feelings. 
Um, which is funny because if you remember the episode where Sparky died, Wanda tells the boys that she has to that they have to feel their feelings, even mm-hmm. though she's not. Um, the episode, or the I'm sorry, the commercial also says you should not take Nexus unless your doctor has cleared you to move on with your life. <laughs> and obviously, Wanda has not moved on. Right. Uh, and it also says Nexus because the world doesn't revolve around you. Or does it? It's all Wanda's world. So, of course, mm. in this world, everything revolves around Wanda. Uh, Nexus could refer to Marvel's comics, the Nexus of all realities. Uh, it's a kind of gateway between different parallel universes. Uh, Wanda has also been ref- uh, referred to as a Nexus being meaning her powers can affect probability and change the flow of time. So this one had a lot going on with it. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of layers to this one. Mm-hmm. And then we get to, you know what? There isn't, I'm sorry. There is not a commercial in episode eight and nine. I got confused <laughs> with my episode eight Easter eggs notes. So that is it for the commercials. Which one was your favorite? Ooh, Okay, well, I'll tell you which one was my least favorite. It was the, sh- the yo-yo magic shark one or whatever. Because it was creepy? Yeah, and I think it's because I have an irrational fear of claymation. I just <laughs> don't like it. Why didn't I know this about you? I don't know. I think, like, Gumby did me wrong at one point <gasps> in my life. I loved Gumby. Mm-mm. The only claymation I can get into is, like, Rudolph and the Christmas specials, but... Yeah, I just think it's weird that it's, I guess maybe like the, how they create it maybe freaks me out. I don't know. But yeah, as, as far as my favorite commercial, it's probably either the Nexus one or the Hydra Soak, just because it's relatable. Or yeah. wait, also, well, Lagos is good too. Just because I mean, they're the all just amazing. <laughs> yeah. Did you have a favorite? I think the Nexus one was my favorite, just because there's so many different ways to like read it, read into it. Mm-hmm. But I also liked, I actually liked the uh, Yo Magic, because of all the different <laughs> theories that I got to see about it. Yeah, there was one theory I came across with that one where Agatha is supposed to be the shark, and um, Wanda's maybe the the. A boy on the island and Agatha's like sucking the life out of her <gasps> that's a good theory because as we see in later episodes that's actually what happens so cool right. mm-hmm. yeah I think it could definitely be taken any number of ways oh um, for sure the other thing I thought was really cool about the commercials is how like you said they fit the era of the time so like you know back in the 1950s like a lot of the commercials were about housewives and I thought it was interesting how we went from commercials that were focused on, like, dumbass housewives to when we get to, like, the Lagos commercial, it's about dumbass husbands mm-hmm. and how, like, that has changed over the course of, you know, the last 50 years. Um, and then we get to the drug commercial, which obviously is huge now. Like, there's so many drug commercials out there now. Right. Um, so I liked, I liked that setup. Yeah, I loved them all. I thought it was a really great way for them to continue telling the story. And I do want to give a shout out to those two actors because they were they were amazing. Victoria Blade and uh, Ithamar Enriquez. They were they were really good throughout that. Awesome. 
All right, should we get into some Easter eggs now? Let's do it. All right, guys. So I'm gonna start us off with episode seven. And this is something I hadn't really consciously noticed until I read it and I'm thinking back on it now and I'm like, oh yeah, that is the case. Um, so every time Wanda says previously on WandaVision, at the beginning, her her voiceover gets sadder and sadder. So in the beginning, she's really happy and perky because it's just started. And then at, by the end of it, you can like hear her exhaustion and depression. So it's a nod to her mental state declining over the course of the show, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, when Wanda is lying in bed... In the beginning of the episode, the design on her comforter is in the shape of hexes, which we know is her whole shtick. Uh, let's see. Wanda eats a brand of cereal called Sugar Snaps, which I was like, oh, no, they didn't. <gasps> Snaps. Yep. I didn't even realize that. It's in reference to the Thanos snap. Um, the radio station Wanda is listening to is called WNDA, which is basically her name. Without the first A. Um, in the opening credits, when all the Wanda words are flashing on the screen, one of them says, I know what you are doing, Wanda. And I think it's pretty clear now that that was Agatha, giving, given mm-hmm. she was re- also revealed in that episode at the end. But I did see a theory that um, I kind of like more. It's a maybe a message from Doctor Strange saying that he's trying to like break through to her because he knows what's going on interesting which would set her up into dr strange too which we know she's already part of that um also during the opening credits wanda's license plate has the numbers 12 28 22 i'm just making sure there's a lot of twos so i'm making sure i said that right you're right (laughs) okay and that is stanley's birthday yeah Rest in peace, Stanley. Uh, also, there's a calendar in the opening credits with a heart around the date 10. I did try to see what the significance meant. Like, I was like, it's probably something where Scarlet Witch, comic book number 10, she writes a to-do <laughs> list on a calendar. But no. Uh, the only thing I could really find was some Reddit user thought that maybe it was in reference to the Salem Witch Trials because March 10th, 1693 was the last death that occurred Hmm. um but who knows maybe they maybe it wasn't an easter egg and i just went down a rabbit hole for nothing we automatically just think everything is an easter egg at this point i know i'm suspicious of everything um right before monica tries to re-enter the hex everyone is calling her captain um that's because it's her sword rank but it also foreshadows her getting her powers And something else that I'm going to save and share later as a little tease for you. Um, Apparently in the MCU, if someone lands in a three-point stance, which means one hand and one knee on the ground, it's a code for them being a superhero. So Monica does this when she uh, passes through the hex, so that kind of means she's being transformed into a superhero. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yep. I know. And now anytime I fall, I'm going to try to land in a three-point stance. Gracefully. Gracefully. (laughs) Yeah. Um, When Agnes interrupts Wanda and Monica's conversation, the delivery man walks by and his uniform says presto, like when a magician 
does a magic trick or when you pull a rabbit out of a hat. And then the last one I have is when Wanda is walking through Agatha's basement. The look is really remin reminiscent of a, a dimensional plane, which is called the Witch's Road. Roads, sorry, roads. And um, that appears in James Robinson's 2015 Scarlet Rit Witch Run. So the Witch's Road is supposed to act as a portal for witches and warlocks to get to other places. So perhaps this is how Agatha was able to break through... Um, Wanda's barrier and get in to Westview. But yeah, that's what I got for episode seven. Okay, so I have episode eight. Um, and this one, it starts in the very beginning. The opening logo turns purple, which people say is indicating Agatha's control at this point. Um, the episode starts with Agatha's history, which is a little bit different than the comics, but I'll get into that later. Um, but when Agatha's mother tries to kill her, she get what looks like a power crown akin to a witch's headdress in the comics. But the design is also reminiscent of an ancient sorceress named Zarad Na in the comics. And she was banished from Atlantis because of her prophecies of Atlantis's destruction, but her spirit lived on after death to ensure her teachings, kind of like Agatha does in the comics, which we'll talk about later. This could perhaps be alluding to the coven learning or having Atlantean magic. Ooh, it would make sense because it's blue. Mm-hmm. And also, in the comics, uh, Agatha remembers being alive when Atlantis, before Atlantis fell, 500 years before Atlantis fell. Um, let's see. We learned that Wanda is always a witch. Her powers were enhanced because of the Mind Stone. Um, another... Wanda license plate little tidbit. It says Excelsior, which is Stanley's oh. catch was was Stanley's catchphrase. Yep. Mm. Love it. We see Herb hanging a learn piano sign when Wanda pulls into town. And then later at the magic show, uh his, that was my grandma's piano, which was one of our Wait, was that was that Herb or was that Sorry. Mustache Guy? It was Mustache Guy. It wasn't Herb. Okay. My bad. <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> There's so, just so many. In this episode, Agatha forces Wanda to look into the past and see that she performed a probability hex on the Stark Industries bomb. And in the comics, probability hexes were the first manifestation of the Scarlet Witch's powers. Hmm. So when Scarlet Witch, well, when Wanda sees the Scarlet Witch silhouette, it's straight from the comics. Her headdress also looks like Agatha's mother's from the beginning of the episode, which also, again, looks like Zarad Na. So maybe that's another nod toward the Atlantean magic. Mm -hmm. uh, Wanda watches the Brady Bunch episode Kitty Carrie, All is Missing. And the Kitty Carrie doll was in episode three, where Vision was practicing changing diapers, which we discussed in one of our other episodes. Yep. We finally get the Scarlet Witch title. Um, this house and what they're doing is in Westview, New Jersey, correct? So in the comics, Vision and Wanda take a break from the Avengers and they buy a house in the suburbs of Leonia, New Jersey. So oh. there's another New Jersey reference like we talked about in our last episode. They do love New Jersey. <laughs> right? Wanda's father's DVDs include Bewitched, I Love Lucy, Who's the Boss, I Dream of Jeannie, The Addams Family, and Malcolm in the Middle. But... 
if Wanda and Pietro were born in 1989 and their parents were killed when they were 10, that would be 1999. And Malcolm in the Middle didn't come out until 2000. <gasps> so was this a mistake or is the timeline off? There's a bunch of questions about that one. A lot of people just think it was like a mistake that they didn't think about the fact that they died in 99. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the toaster commercial is a reference to the Stark Industries bomb. Wanda sees herself as Scarlet Witch in the costume, like the one in the comics. In the final scene of episode eight with Agatha and the twins, she holds them like marionettes when she has her magic around their necks. This could be a reference to Master Pandemonium from the comics. So in West Coast Avengers number 51 and 52, Pandemonium kidnaps the twins and attaches them to his arms using their powers as weapons. This is when Agatha explains to Wanda that the twins were never real. They appeared real because they were pieces of Mephisto's soul and they were only there when Wanda thought about them. Um, as Wanda drives into town, she, or I'm sorry, as Wanda transforms Westview, a billboard for super paper towels becomes one for Lagos paper towels. And the tagline at the bottom of the billboard is makes cleanup a snap. Ah, right? They didn't. They did. When Agatha tells Wanda, my thoughts are not available to you, they never were, it connects to why Billy told Agnes she was quiet on the inside, and this also shows that Billy has Wanda's powers. Mm -hmm. Wanda's accent comes back in Agatha's basement, and this is to show that they are not in the sitcom anymore. As we talked about previously, her her accent comes and goes, um, especially in when she goes out of the hex, she has it back. Mm -hmm. When she's back in the sitcom she has it so it just goes back and forth um the bug that agatha performs spells on was spotted by wanda in episode seven when she goes to agatha's um and then she starts to wonder where the boys are it's climbing on the curtains and then later we see it in the Uh basement yep and then when they show wanda at hydra she's wearing the same outfit she was when we met her in captain america winter soldier in the post-credits scene oh right yeah disheveled Right. Well, she's wearing the exact same, like, nightgown-looking thing. And this whole episode itself revisits the backstory of Wanda in the MCU, and it brings out long-hidden truths, and in doing so, it actually rewrites the history of the MCU and kind of recontextualizes the past movies. So, yeah. It was a big deal. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, I, I'll get into it more when, when we talk about... Um, Scarlet Witch. I know your daughter came into the room. Jesus. I, <laughs> I didn't want to scare you again. <laughs> um, but yeah, when she, uh, Scarlet Witch has undergone so many different revisions and changes. Um, so it's interesting to see how they are interpreting that in the MCU. Mm-hmm. And I'm interested to see how they're going to go forward with her too. Me too. All right. My daughter would like to say hello. Stand up, Vivian. Of course, please. Say hi. 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 How are you? Good. Good. It's nice to see you. We're talking about WandaVision. Okay. <laughs> Has she seen WandaVision? Okay. No, we haven't let her watch it. All right. Say bye. 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 <laughs> Adorable. I love it. <laughs> She's a mess. Okay, so that is the Easter eggs that I found for episode eight. If I missed any, like, go to our Instagram, let us know. Send us a DM, something, because we love learning about all of the different Easter eggs. 
Now you've got episode nine, right? I do. So I'll start us off with the beginning of the episode. Um, So Wanda and Agatha are fighting and Wanda levitates a car and throws it at Agatha. But that is something that she has done before. If you remember in Civil War, she threw a bunch of cars out of the parking garage at Iron Man. Oh, yeah. So she used that again. Um, okay, this is what I actually noticed when I watched it back. I didn't have to look it up, so I felt proud of myself. <laughs> but Wanda, th- uh, sorry, when Wanda uh, throws the car at Agatha, her boots, well, Agatha's boots are under the rubble, like the witch under the house in The Wizard of Oz. I have that in my notes. So cool. <laughs> I thought that was so I cool. I love that part. There's actually a lot of a Wizard of Oz references, so... Uh, I think also in this episode, when things are glitching back and forth, you can see that, or I'm sorry, actually, it's when things turn back to normal. You can see that Oz the Great and Powerful is playing at the movie theater in Westview. Uh, That was the remake that they did in, I think, early 2000s or 2010s. And then another Oz reference is actually from episode 8, so Agatha's mother's name is Evanora, and Evanora is the name of the Wicked Witch of the East, the one who gets crushed by the house. So I thought that was pretty cool. That is cool. Uh, yeah. And then also the other movie title on the theater is Tannhauser Gate, which is a line from Blade Runner, and that's another Marvel comic uh, series. So could be alluding to them maybe trying to bring that back into the MCU. Um, Wanda meeting White Vision is directly from the comics. It's in Avengers West Coast issue number 45, which I'm sure we'll get into. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when White Vision and Red Vision are fighting, White Vision tries to rip the Mind Stone out of Red Vision's head, just like Thanos did. Jimmy says flourish when he uncuffs himself, which was the line from episode two during the magic show. I love that. After White Vision receives all of his memories, he says, I am Vision, which is a nod to Tony Stark's very iconic line. I am Iron Man. I am Iron Man. R.I.P. Yep. R.I.P. I mentioned this last recap, but the shot of Wanda, Vision, Billy, and Tommy preparing to fight is a nod to... The Incredibles, when they t- the family takes a, a similar fight stance. Although WandaVision is the first time witches have been introduced in the MCU, in Spider-Man Far From Home, witches are alluded to when Mysterio arrives. And if you remember, um, one of the field trip chaperones keeps saying, it's witches. So <laughs> it makes sense because Far From Home takes place after... Yep. Uh, WandaVision, so they have that reference. Okay, and then the last one I have is, this is really sad, so just brace yourselves. Uh, When Wanda and Vision say goodbye at the end, it mirrors their last conversation in Infinity Wars, right before she destroys the Mind Stone. In both of them, Vision says, it's time. Ugh, I can't. I know. I can't either. All right, well... That's all the Easter eggs, like Kelly said. Uh, if we missed any, please send us a DM uh, on our Instagram page so that we can bring them up. But yeah, I mean, I've really enjoyed getting to go back and and rewatch to find the Easter eggs myself or just even look them up and mm-hmm. 
go on some Reddit threads. Yeah, there's a lot of Reddit threads. <laughs> a lot. All right, well, let's get into episode seven. So we're going to start off by talking about this whole aspect of Wanda's breakdown throughout the episode. So Wanda wakes up in bed and there's no vision to be found, which if you remember right before this, uh, Wanda expanded the hex to save Vision, so when she's in bed in episode seven, she's still technically, I think, in her um, Halloween costume. She like pulls over the mm-hmm. covers and she, you see her in that. Uh, we find out Wanda is taking a quarantine-style staycation, and I was like, did you add quarantine in there on purpose? <laughs> I wonder. Guys? But she wants a day to herself because she has a case of the Mondays, and I'm like, don't we all? I mean... That was my, I loved that part. Like, oh, just a case of the Mondays. But like, really? Yep. She's basically recognized this false world that she's created. And she's like, I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> mm-hmm. She's, I think, definitely still in denial in this, at this point of just like, just like trying to be, not, maybe just even giving up at this point. Because mm-hmm. she, like you said, doesn't care. And two, like her powers are basically out of control everything's glitching so like she tries to drink almond milk which first I was like ew don't do that I don't like almond I milk. I love almond milk it's good <sighs> yeah I just uh I'm a staunch milk proponent I guess but <laughs> then it t- changes to two percent milk and I'm like oh don't drink two percent <laughs> Jesus I was really fixated on the I milk. can tell I can tell yeah the milk jug, though, at the end, I was like, that's acceptable. Yeah. I'll take that. Basically, time is just, like, slipping in and out of different decades, which to me meant, like, her reality is slipping. Yeah. I absolutely think that, too. Um, you know, she's losing a grip on everything because she's having a mental breakdown. And, you know, she is showing the signs of depression, and she thinks everything's meaningless. Um and I love how Agnes says Wanda is one step away from cutting her own bangs, which is like totally relatable. Truth. How many times have I cut my own damn bangs? <laughs> there was definitely one time I had, I don't have bangs, but I had like a um, piece of hair that just like kept falling in front of my face. So I cut it off and it was the worst decision ever because when it grew back, it was just a tuft of hair in, <laughs> on top of my head. It was awful. I will not do that again. Oh, never again. (laughs) Um, And Wanda keeps saying over and over again, it's fine, it's fine, but clearly she's not. And I do want to bring up this one part where, you know, Wanda's um, talking to the camera at one point because it's, like, breaking that fourth wall. And at the time, like, we think an unknown person behind the camera speaks back, which we now see it's Agatha. But um, she asked, do you think maybe this is what you deserve? First off, that's totally creepy. It is. And very cruel and malicious, I think. But to an extent, like, I wonder if this there's, like, some truth in it. Not that Wanda deserves what's happening to her, but maybe Wanda thinks that because she trapped this town that and she made this fake reality that this is what she deserves to happen to her. Maybe. Do you know that in this episode there – they're no longer broadcasting out. So the show is happening mm-hmm. in the, her reality, but Sword, S- Sword, sorry, Sword, what is that? Sword, Sword <laughs> can no longer view it. Yeah, I did notice that. Like she didn't um, want people to see her meltdown. Right. Which 
ended up being detrimental to Wanda because then Sword could break through and send in White Vision and exactly you know it wouldn't be recorded. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, let's shift gears to talk about Monica for a little bit. So, Monica tries to re-enter the hex by driving the rover through the the barrier. Can we just talk for a minute? About how they know they know nothing about Wanda's power, like literally nothing. But they think they can build a special tank and just be fine. They're like, "Oh, it's a space rover; it'll get through." Spoiler alert: it doesn't work. It doesn't. And I feel like it was so much like anticip- anticipation overseeing what they were going to build to try to re-enter mm-hmm. the hex, and then it didn't work. So I do feel like that was a bit of a disappointment. But yeah, literally. Even Wanda herself knows nothing of, like, the powers that she has and what she's capable of. So how could anyone think that they can break And they're so confident, too. They're just like, oh, well, we can build this thing with this and this and that, and it'll get through. No, it's not. (laughs) No. No. That just irritated me a little bit. Yeah. I agree. Um, And what what happens is they say the density is matching the rover, so basically, like half of it gets through and then it gets spit out and the half that got in gets changed to like a truck or something as most things do change when they get sent into the hex um so monica then is like i'm gonna run through instead which okay on her i mean jesus (laughs) um but as she's walking through the hex you hear the lines from captain marvel you know you hear her mom maria nick fury captain marvel herself and then you also see her character geraldine and it's you i mean it is almost like the hex is trying to convert her back to her Mm -hmm. previous character and she's having that that push and pull of fighting that so when she finally does break through and get past it this is when she gets her superhero moment her eyes are glowing blue and she can see energy flowing and personally i think it's like one of the best superhero transformations we've ever seen yeah it was pretty cool I feel like it it likened it to when Captain Marvel gets her powers as well, which seems like they both have something at least a little bit similar. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I felt like it was that same level of impact. I like how they it kind of tried to separate all the pieces of herself, and in pulling mm-hmm. them back together into herself, that's how she came out of it unscathed and became yeah who she was, Photon. Right. I think it's also, I mean, it's not just a physical transformation of Monica, but also a very emotional one. Um, You know, because the hex comes from Wanda's grief, I read that Monica is absorbing that pain and it's reminding her of having lost her own mother. So yeah, she has these physical abilities now, but I think it's also a source of emotional healing. And she's like getting to this point of her accepting what happened to her mother. So I feel like it was a really beautiful way to describe it. Well, and she and Wanda even have a conversation later where uh, Monica tells Wanda that if she had Wanda's powers, she would absolutely bring her mother back. So, you know, she can kind of um, empathize with her on what's happening. And, Mm -hmm. you know, part of that might be because she did feel Wanda's feelings, Wanda's grief, and she knows that she understands it. Yeah, I did see that note about, um, you know, how, how Monica says that she would have done the same thing. And I think any one of us would be lying if we said we wouldn't at least be tempted Mm -hmm. by the, you know, the thought of being able to bring back a loved one. Um, So 
understanding that I think helps us humanize Wanda a little bit more. So I definitely liked that they had that conversation. Um, so I did want to get into some background on Monica's powers because it wasn't totally explained in WandaVision. Uh, obviously, you see what, what she can do, um, but I, I wanted to kind of outline it a little bit more and then get into like some of the history of her character in the comics. So uh, Monica has the powers of Spectrum, which pretty much just makes her a badass. <laughs> I mean, we didn't even see the extent of what she can do in WandaVision. So in the comic books, Monica's main power is that she is able to control and transform herself into any form of energy within the electromagnetic spectrum. So she can control gamma rays, ultraviolet radiation, electricity, infrared radiation, x-rays, microwaves, and radio waves. If there's a wave, she can control it, basically. That's pretty badass. I know. And so she has the ability to absorb most forms of energy and then redirect them back at an opponent, um, which she kind of did a little bit in WandaVision. Uh, she can manipulate light to where she uh, becomes invisible, or she can alter light to make her look like someone else. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then in some instances, she can use energy to create multiple versions of herself. Uh, she can become intangible and phase through pretty much anything. And then she also has the power to fly as fast as the speed of light. So, aka a badass. Like, what can't she right. do? Right. Like, they don't even get into any, barely any of her powers in this show. I'm interested to see where it goes from here. That's really cool. I am too. Yeah. So, as far as her comic book history, Monica first appeared in Amazing Spider-Man Annual Number 16 in 1982. Um, she grew up in New Orleans, and her mother Maria was not a pilot, but a seamstress, and she and Carol were also not friends. Really? So, yeah. I didn't know that. They didn't have that part of it. I think, I mean, I think at least in the beginning, they weren't uh, from the comics. They weren't, they didn't know each other. Obviously, they probably knew each other once she became part of the Avengers. Mm -hmm. But she actually got her powers while being exposed to extra-dimensional energy from a weapon created by a mad scientist. So it's kind of similar to WandaVision, you know, extra-dimensional dimensional energy. Uh, and then after that incident, she can, like I said, convert her body to pure energy at will. She did join the Avengers at one point, and she eventually became the team's leader. Pretty cool. And uh, we mentioned how she goes by the alias Photon, but she's also been referred to as Spectrum and Pulsar. Um, and going back to that reference I said earlier um, of her being called Captain in the comics, she was actually the uh, first female Captain Marvel, not Carol Danvers. Wow, okay. I know. It is kind of unfair from what I was reading about her in the comics. Like, she has to keep changing her name because people keep taking her name. Of course. I know. It's, yeah. Of course. I have a whole, like, stealing things from black women thing that I could go into, but I'm not going to. <laughs> well, and I think that does open up this, this other conversation and this piece of it that is important for us to talk about is the representation. So, you know, of, you know, Monica being a black female superhero. And yes, we've had, 
you know, black superheroes in past MCU movies. We've had War Machine and the Falcon and Black Panther and the Wakandans, but it's definitely been still just disproportionate to the amount of white characters. So I did read a lot of interviews with Tiana Paris, who plays Monica, and just wanted to like gauge her thoughts on this. And she said, we don't often get to see black people in superhero roles, but particularly black women. Mm -hmm. So for for her to get to take on this role of Monica, she said it allows for black women to go into the homes of everyone. And I'm quoting this here, an opportunity to engage with the humanity of black women. So for her, it was really exciting that she had this opportunity to see and empath for for people in their homes to see and empathize with her. I like that. I think it's it's pretty it's pretty powerful, you know, to get that representation. Since you're right, there aren't many black superheroes, and especially not black female superheroes. So mm-hmm. I love that they decided to bring this to the screen. Absolutely. The other piece of it too that was interesting for her to get into was that. Since this is sitcom based, you know, Wanda WandaVision is a retelling of all these sitcoms. The history of American sitcoms in in that, you know, black characters are often sidelined or in the background. They aren't the central characters, unfortunately. But what's really great to see with Monica's story is that she kind of goes from being this sideline character, Geraldine to leading the sword investigation to becoming spectrum at the end so she does have her own arc Mm -hmm. of going from the sideline character to a front runner um, for the mcu i think which is which is good to see so you know i mean overall tiana said it was really special and an honor to play this role and also be someone who young kids of color can look up to and see someone who looks like them so yeah i'm excited for vivi to watch it for her to to be able to see, you know, a strong black woman in a in a powerful role, I think Vivi will really enjoy it. Yeah, um, you know, I'm really interested to see where they also take Monica's character in future MCU projects. Like, obviously, there's that end credit scene in episode nine when Monica meets up with the scroll and she points up and says he wants to to meet with you. So I think that alludes to Nick Fury and or. Talos, Talos, who is the um, scroll mm-hmm. leader from Captain Marvel. We do know she'll be back in Captain Marvel 2. Uh, she could also appear in Ms. Marvel because it takes place in Jersey City. And um, what was it? Oh, the other one that people are theorizing, excuse me, is that uh, Monica could also be featured in Secret Invasion, which is a Disney Plus show expected to set up Captain Marvel 2. So she'll definitely nice. be back in some form. Oh, for sure. I also thought it was interesting that the they pointed up towards space because when we talked about S.W.O.R.D., they are originally in the comics based in a space station. And in this show, of course, they're based on Earth. So maybe that could be setting up that space station base that uh, from the comics. Oh, I hope so. I would love to see them bring that to life. And interpret that. Yeah, that'd be really cool. Um, so back to the story. Monica goes to Wanda's house to try to confront her, but also we've talked about trying to appeal to her humanity. And Monica says to Wanda, don't let him, him being Hayward, make you the villain. And I think this is why Monica is maybe the best person to break through to Wanda 
because Monica relates to her the most with her mom having just died, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's crucial that she be the one to try to reason with her a little bit here. And if you think about it, women are often seen as over the top and crazy and, you know, overly emotional and causing but really it's it's Hayward that mm-hmm. is the one that is causing the drama outside of this. So, you know, Monica is really a good, as a female, she's, you know, good to bring up to Wanda saying, hey, don't let him make you seem like this. Right. Don't make him something that you're, you're not. And Mm -hmm. the other thing too, that I thought was interesting was that Monica has this whole speech about how she doesn't want to control the pain anymore. And because the pain is her truth. And I think it's such a powerful line where she is trying to tell Wanda that she can't run from this or hide from this. She has to feel her feelings, um, which mm-hmm. is kind of a callback. And it's a part of who Wanda is, and that's okay for Wanda to, to have that be part of her experience. So. Right. Um, but obviously, like before Monica can break through to her, Agnes intervenes and pulls Wanda away. So then we get the most like shocking reveal for me because uh, I didn't know anything about the comics. So um, Agnes takes Wanda to her house and Wanda, you know, she senses something is off. It's probably because there's a fucking abnormally large fly on the wall like we talked about. <laughs> I would be like, girl, you, you need to. <laughs> Do you have any bug spray? Um, but then Wanda goes down to the basement uh, to try to find the twins um, and discovers Agatha's witch lair, her bewitched basement, as she puts it. Agatha leads her down there, too, which is I thought was pretty cool. Oh, the kids are playing in the basement. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. To try to trap her. So mm-hmm. then Agatha reveals herself to be Agatha Harkness. It was Agatha all along, and we see how she manipulated her from the yeah, go. She killed Sparky. She brought in fake Pietro, all of it. Um, I did read some background on how they filmed this. So all of the moments where they show Agatha all along, those were planned from the very beginning. So what they would do is when they filmed the main scene, they would be like, they would stop and then they'd be like, okay, let's get set up for an Agatha all along shot. And they would bring her in there to do it as they were filming, which was kind of cool. Um, and then there was one scene that was off script, though. So Matt Shackman, the director, said he came up with the idea of Agatha having a picnic outside when fake Pietro arrives, like two minutes before uh, they shot the scene. I wondered where that came from. Yep. It was just so random. They had it planned from the beginning. All right. So, Kelly, do you want to get into some background on Agatha? I do. So I went into her comics history which varies from how they portrayed her history in the show Mm -hmm. um so in the comics she is a powerful witch typically portrayed as a sinister heroine and a teacher she tutors humans and mutants endowed with magic or great powers including wanda she first appeared in fantastic four number 94 in january 1970 um which I thought was really cool because there's lots of hints and references to the Fantastic Four in this mm-hmm. series. You know, yeah. there's so uh, she was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. 
She also starred in the cartoon The Avengers United They Stand, and she was voiced by Elizabeth Shepard in that. Hmm. Uh, she lived through the fall of Atlantis and is a part of the Salem Witch Trials. Mm-hmm. In the comics, she is extremely old, like centuries old, and she is portrayed as old. She's an old, older lady. In the, she has gray hair. She sometimes walks with a cane. Um, in a lot of the beginning comics. I did see that. Um, my husband has like a huge Marvel book. And when I was doing research on Scarlet Witch, I saw a clip of her and I was like, this, she does not look like that in WandaVision. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, newer appearances have her in a younger body. So that could be where WandaVision got their inspiration. Okay. Um, in the 19, in 1998's Silver Surfer number 135, we find out Agatha is over... 12,000 years old. Woof. Um, in this issue, it is revealed that she was old enough to remember 500 years before Atlantis sunk, which was 10,500 BC in the Marvel comics. Holy shit. <laughs> so she's old as shit. <laughs> However, her, <laughs> her aging is slowed through magical means. Um, she's incredibly smart with vast magical knowledge, and she derives her power from the mani- manipulation of the forces of nature. So she can manipulate magical forces for a number of effects, including teleportation, energy projection, and the tapping of interdimensional energy with spells. She was first introduced in the comics as the governess of Franklin Richards, which we talked about is the son of uh, Reed and mm-hmm. Reed Richards and uh, what's her name? Uh, mm, shoot. You know. Gotta get raked over the coals for that. <laughs> <laughs> right, Jesus. I ta- We talked about it in the last episode. Just, just yep. refer back to that. Yep. Uh, in this, uh, when she is the governess of Franklin Richards, she fights off the Frightful Four when they come for Richards, and then she admits to the Fantastic Four that she's a witch. Mm. Uh, she has a son named Nicholas Scratch, who later betrays her with his children, his children known as the Salem Seven, so she's in New Salem, and she is basically orchestrates the Salem witch trials. Um, what? Nicholas Scratch reveals to these other witches of New Salem that Agatha has been turning over various witches to the witch-killing authorities in order to rid New Salem of weak witches and make her coven stronger. And this is when those witches burn her at the stake. So that's where we start in, uh. the, in the show, her being burned at the stake, but in the comics, mm-hmm. it's a whole other backstory. She sounds shady. Yeah, right? Um, after this, the ghost of Agatha appears to Wanda and leads her and Vision to defeat the Salem Seven. In the, in the ensuing battle, the magic from the New Salem community is drawn into a member of the Salem Seven, who is named Vertigo, who then lost control of them, and then Wanda intervenes to save the community. Um, the ghost or astral projection of Agatha appears to Wanda and leads her, of course, to to um, destroy them. And then Wanda channels this remaining energy through uh, Agatha's hints mm-hmm. to become pregnant with the twins. So this uh. is where the energy of the twins comes from. Um, and like we know, it's part of Mephisto. Yeah. After losing Vision and then the twins, which happens in West Coast Avengers number 52, uh, she loses control and Agatha wipes her mind of her memories, but later restores them. Mm -hmm. And then when she restores them, Wanda in a mad rage kills Agatha. Oh. But we know that 
Agatha never really dies. Yeah, no one ever really dies. In the comics, she walks the line between good and bad depending on what she wants to ensure her own survival. So in the in the series, she's all bad. She's just a bad guy. Mm-hmm. But in the comics, she kind of goes back and forth between working with the Avengers and working with Wanda and Vision to working against them. It really just depends on what she needs. Yeah, I did see that was like a critique from people that she was mm-hmm. depicted as purely bad. I do think that they could swing her over to good at some point too, though. So, Yeah, because we know she's she's not dead. She's just stuck in Westview at this point at the end yeah. of the se- uh, series. So we'll see. In the comics, she has a magical familiar. Uh, it's a cat, a black cat named Ebony. And Ebony has the ability to transform into a powerful black panther. Ooh. So at some point in the comics, Agatha sacrifices Ebony to gain oh. precognitive powers. So, uh, and a lot of, I, I read some things that said that maybe um, Senior Scratchy in the series could have been her familiar, but it also could have been Nicholas Scratch, her son. Yeah. When you said Nicholas Scratch, I was like, well, her funny mm-hmm. is Mr. Scratch. Like maybe she turned it, it, it to, uh, to, um, Let's discipline him in a, in yeah. a way. She may have turned him into a rabbit. Huh. So there's a lot of differences between the series and the comics. I actually like the comic version of Agatha better. Yeah. Um, I like that it gets into more history. And um, I really thought it was cool that she basically orchestrated the Salem Witch Trials. Because she I wanted know. to weed out the weaker witches. What a dick move. <laughs> right? <laughs> Damn. Bitchy. Uh, it was. Anyway, well, yeah, that's, I definitely, like I said, saw criticism of, of Agatha's portrayal in WandaVision and how she isn't all bad. She, like, is a, gr- a gray area, I would say. So, mm-hmm. again, like, she's not gone. She, she'll probably likely very much be back, and I'd like to see how they you know, take her character and the arc that she maybe will go through in future. Right. And I hope they do. Cause I, I really love Catherine Hahn and I think mm-hmm. she did a great job and I'd like to see more of her as yeah. Agatha. Same. Well, cool. I love getting into, um, Agatha's backstory too, and trying to, and just like understanding why the fans, um, of the comic books were upset. So we'll see mm-hmm. how that goes. But, um, okay, let's get into some episode eight discussions. So I basically wrote for this episode that they just need to get some therapy for poor Wanda. Like, (laughs) so much therapy. Nexus just isn't enough. Yeah. But it also might be my favorite episode just because we do get to see all the backstory. And like you said, you know, we, we kick the episode off by seeing Agatha's past and, uh, her, coven and her mom's the leader and they end up you know trying to destroy her for practicing dark magic but then she ends up sucking the power and life out of everyone and killing them including her mother and i find it interesting that their power is blue like we talked about but agatha's is purple and wanda's is red and so i looked it up and i couldn't really get a consensus for like if this person is blue and this person like, like why that Mm -hmm. is. Um, 
but the showrunners said that Agatha's powers are purple because since she's taking away the blue magic, you kind of have to be able to visually see that happen. So that's why they, they had her be purple. But I think it's also fun to think that characters in the future could get different colors assigned to them, you know, mm-hmm. event, potentially. Mm-hmm. Well, and if you think about Disney movies as a whole, uh, Disney often portrays villains with red or mm. it's been seen as purple bef- before too. Um, so villains often are shown with those two colors, which I thought was pretty yeah. cool. Well, purple is also uh, like related to witches too in a little bit. And mm-hmm. green, I think, to an extent, but purple as well. Um, so we're back at the present. Wanda can't use magic because Agatha put in a, rune- a spell with runes. She says only the witch who casts the runes can use the magic. And this is important because it comes up later. But Agatha sensed what Wanda did in creating the hex and basically wants to know how Wanda can control thousands of people and poor Agatha can only control the feeble mind of a fly. (laughs) (laughs) Agatha brings up the fact that Wanda is casting so many spells at once. She's got mind control, transmutation. She basically calls um, Wanda's magic on autopilot because Wanda Mm -hmm. doesn't even realize that she's just has so many spells going at one time. And that's what she wants to know. Like, how did you do it? And Wanda has no idea. Yeah. And that's how it gets set up to go back through Wanda's history a little bit more. Um, So they start with the night her parents died and um, her family is watching Wanda's favorite show, which is the Dick Van Dyke show season two, episode 21. It didn't see if the numbers made any sense uh, for a comic even though I was like, that's going to be an Easter egg. Um, I have something on that. Oh, you do? Share. Okay, so I don't know if you read this, but that episode, is, is it called The Walnut, I think? Um, uh, and Yeah. Do you have that? Yeah, it's called It May Look Like a Walnut. Okay, you go ahead. Because if you have it written down, I just have it in my head, so go ahead. Okay, okay. Um, well, in that episode of Dick Van Dyke, Basically, Rob um, watches a horror movie and then ends up living it out in a bad dream, but he doesn't know it until the end. And the only thing that I wrote down was that the movie, the horror movie he watches is kind of weird. Um, It's about an alien, evil alien from the planet Twilo who takes over people's bodies and turns them into Twilo-tites. I don't know. Twilo-ites. Okay. Via alien crystals inside walnut shells um and it's kind of a metaphor for wanda or i'm sorry for westview and agatha that it may look innocent like a walnut but there's something sinister underneath so so i also read that this could be a nod to the invasion Mm. that's coming up secret invasion yep yep i read that that could be a nod to because it's all about aliens and aliens taking over and invading, so it could be a nod to Secret Invasion. That would make sense. I would like to see that. Um, yeah, I figured there had to be like some serious Easter eggs hidden between, mm-hmm. beneath that since it was her favorite episode. Um, but then there's the explosion that you know, kills her parents, and we know from Age of Ultron it's the Stark missile. Um, but I do like that we got to see it played out and experience for it from Wanda's perspective. Because we hear all these stories from Wanda, but you don't really 
I, I don't even know if you fully grasp the like severity and how much it's affected her until you actually see it play out. Right. Um, and then we get to um, how she was experimented, experimented on by the Mind Stone and how it responded to her because it seemed to have sensed her power. And, you know, basically Agatha's implying that the Infinity Stone amplified powers that were potentially already there. Well, because the Mind Stone is hidden inside Loki's scepter at this point. Um, she's mm-hmm. at Hydra and they're experimenting on her of course um and it's drawn out of the scepter and towards her because it right like you said it recognizes her power and agatha even brings up a point that um she calls her like a a baby witch um Mm -hmm. and says that her power was not strong enough and probably would have faded away however when she was put before the mind stone it amplified her powers and made her the witch that she is because she would have been just a regular person, person. probably. Um, uh, but I thought it was interesting that no one else survived going yeah. up against the Mind Stone until Wanda. Yeah. It's also really opened up this question, too, of is Wanda a mutant? So did she have the X gene inside her? Mm-hmm. And the fact of being exposed to Infinity Stone, but also her past trauma maybe amplified it. So... Well, that makes you question Pietro too, because how did was did Pietro is he a mutant? Did he have that X gene, or was it purely from the experiments that he got his powers? Yeah, it's a little it's changed a little bit over the history of the comics um, that I'll get more into. But basically, her backstory is that originally she was a mutant, but then. They changed it to where she wasn't a mutant. She was experimented on, and that gave her and I think her brother her powers. And there's also like some interesting heritage that that she has that I'll dive into more. I mean, I definitely think it could be setting up the MCU to introduce the X Men, but I feel like the way MCU is taking it, that Wanda herself isn't going to be a mutant. She might be a catalyst for bringing in the mutants, but mm-hmm. I don't think she's a mutant herself. Right. So then we see Wanda at after the events of Age of Ultron at the Avengers compound. She's grieving the death of her brother and Vision's trying to help her. They end up having this really powerful conversation, which I'm just like, oof, this conversation. And they're watching Malcolm in the Middle during this. Brian Cranston, love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and Wanda describes grief like a wave washing over her again and again. And it's going to drown her. And Vision is like, it can't all be sorrow. Well, everyone she loves dies. Everyone. Literally. Everyone. Literally everyone she loves dies, which is just like, she said that the only thing that would bring me comfort is seeing him again, you know, and that kind of foreshadows this whole alternate reality where she gets to see everyone she loves again. Yes. I saw that too. Um, I think another piece of it that we haven't, really mentioned or like outright said before is that grief ultimately is the antagonist of WandaVision. Yes, you've got Agatha. Yes, you've got Hayward who are like these minor villains, but grief itself is the thing that is Wanda is battling the most and the showrunners even like confirmed that, um, you know, she's going through denial and anger and bargaining throughout the entire show, which are all stages of grief. Um, until she gets to a point of acceptance at the end 
which I liked how they portrayed that within the show. And, you know, Vision says it can't all be sorrow. And then he says the most heartbreaking quote, what is grief if not love persevering? Oh. Mm. I'm just going to go ball my eyes out. Now. Right. Um, and then when she remakes Vision, he is born of her grief, like literally yeah. born of her grief. And what I thought was interesting, I know we haven't gotten to this part yet, but she, when she remakes him, did you notice that the magic was yellow? Mm-hmm. Because we'll he's about. part of the Mind Stone that lives yep. inside her. <laughs> I know. Oh, my God. Um, actually do have a side note about that line that he said. So Paul Bettany um, said that they came up with that while rehearsing on set. And basically, he went and talked to Jack Schaefer, who's one of the head writers and he said you know he thought the purpose of the conversation should be about grief and that quote grief isn't all bad so i'm like a kudos to you paul you deserve mm-hmm. a raise <laughs> i love paul Bettany. he's a true wordsmith i would say he's also a zaddy apparently <laughs> apparently if you all don't know what that is just google um vision zaddy and you'll find some stuff that or go to our instagram look at our stories there yep okay so now finally wanda remembers what happened right before westview so she went to recover vision's body at sword but she sees vision was torn apart and being broken down into parts when hayward tells her he isn't yours i wanted to punch him in the face oh so much i was furious he is not yours either hayward he's nobody's If, if anybody's, he's Wanda's, but still. Yeah. It pissed me off. And this is where Hayward also lies to Wanda because he says that, well, it's $3 billion worth of vibranium, but really they're trying to make him operational. And he wants to use Wanda's powers to put him back online because I think at that point he speculated Wanda could do it. Um, but then we see the scene when Wanda sees Vision for herself and she can't feel him anymore. And you remember it's in reference to Infinity and yeah, Infinity War. And I'm just like, Ugh. And she says, I can't feel you. I cried. Not going to lie. Oh, Tears. yeah. I, this whole like end of the episode, as soon mm-hmm. as like she was talking with Vision in the memory, I was crying. Yep. Um, so that's, you know, now we realize how she created Westview. It ended up being that the house um she lived she and vision living in the hex was an old empty lot vision bought for them to grow old in and i'm like guys you can't keep doing this to me it was heartbreaking and then the heart on the paper that she opens looks like the heart from the calendar in episode one Mm -hmm. oh i think it absolutely is it's he bought that he bought it for them to grow old together there which you know vision can never grow old because he's synthetic but still (laughs) It's adorable. That counts. (laughs) Right? Um, Okay, well, here's another heartbreaker for you to think about. So the timeline of when Vision could have done all of this would have had to have been before Infinity War. Mm -hmm. So the theory is that when he and Wanda are in the hotel scene, um, he's essentially, like, asking her to run away from her, run away with him, and it's thought that he might have been, like, trying to propose to her. He already had the property. Ugh. I know. I know. Yeah, It's really unfair. And he says, stay with, just stay with me. And it's like, ugh. 
it's just the whole it, it you're right it's totally unfair i mean yeah it it's you know fiction but it feels like real life <laughs> it's unfair for for poor wanda i would definitely say absolutely she gets the shit end of the stick on everything yeah so the flashback the all the flashbacks and and wanda rushes outside she sees agatha um in her witch garb and has her boys trapped and then agatha reveals that wanda has chaos magic and is the scarlet witch dun 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 so we've already explained her powers in a previous recap but i did want to get more into what chaos magic is because this is the first time i think that we're hearing about it so chaos magic has been a very like long-standing thing in marvel comic books uh, as we see, it's a type of magic that allows its users to manipulate, warp, and reconstruct the fabric of existence and reality. Uh, it's very powerful, very dangerous. And actually, for a while, Doctor Strange didn't even think it existed because chaos magic is the antithesis of order magic. So order magic requires specific spells and incantations, but chaos magic just happens. Um, and wand is one of the few people who is able to practice it this is where it gets a little weird so hold on to your butts um <laughs> the source of chaos magic comes from chiton who is an elder god so in the very beginning of earth's creation the elder gods roamed the planet and chiton ended up becoming the first to power dark magic so, and then he became the god of chaos and could shape reality to his will. He ended up uh, also creating the Darkhold, which is the book that we see that contains all of his spells and writings. And then eventually he got so out of control, the other elder gods were like, whoa, dude, you need to chill it out for a second. So they exiled him to uh, an alternate dimension out M Mount Wondagore which literally sounds like something out of Lord of the Rings. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Uh, but this is significant because in the comics, Wanda was born not in Sokovia. Actually, I don't even think Sokovia is a real place in the MCU. Or, I'm sorry, in the Marvel comics. But she was born near Mount Wondagore, and her abilities were amplified by Chiton's power. So, Well, in episode eight, uh, Agatha says to her that you're a myth. You're a being mm -hmm. of spontaneous creation. So yeah. that makes sense. It tracks with her being born next to that, uh, what was it called? Mount Wendigo? <laughs> Wendigore. Wendigore. <laughs> um, so, you know, maybe she, that kind of tracks with her being born of chaos magic. Yeah, and it's interesting when you think about episode nine, too, because Agatha's like, you have no idea what you've unleashed. And so potentially we could see some Ooh. version of Chiton come back. Nice. Yeah. Um, okay, so I do want to talk a little bit about Wanda's backstory in the comics, just a little bit briefly. Um, it's really tragic. So you think her trauma in MCU is bad? Wait till you hear what happens to her in the comics, because it's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, I do want to preface this by saying, you know, why it's important that Wanda is now getting her Scarlet Witch title. So when Wanda and Pietro were introduced in Age of Ultron, it was during a time when the rights to the X-Men characters were still owned by 20th Century Fox. So 
in the MCU, Wanda and Pedro couldn't be mutants and they couldn't use their aliases. But now that Disney bought out Fox, Marvel can use them. So that's why they finally... I mean, I think it's a little bit about her growth, too, into becoming Scarlet Witch, but mm-hmm. there was also some, like, legality. On the back end. And mm-hmm. Disney's just buying everybody. Disney's going to own the world by the time it's all said and done. Disney's going to be like AT&T, where they have a monopoly on everything. <laughs> Uh, but in the comics, Wanda was first introduced as Scarlet Witch in X-Men number four in 1964. So her story, as I've mentioned, has been reimagined or in comic book terms retconned several times. So, you know, I said first it was believed she was um, a mutant and she and her brother were the children of Magneto. Then it was changed to Wanda and her brother being experimented on and given powers by the high evolutionary. And then most recently, they established that uh, Natalia Maximoff is the twins' biological mother, and she is the previous Scarlet Witch, so there's some history there. Wow. Which I thought was pretty cool. Okay. So maybe when... I saw that maybe when she has that scene with the Mind Stone and she sees herself as Scarlet Witch, it's also maybe a vision of her mother. Her mother. Oh, that's too much. (laughs) It's too much for me. So, well, moving on. It's going to get bad, so sorry. Awesome. Um, Awesome. Wanda has been part of several groups uh, in the comic books. So she was part of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, which was led by Magneto. Uh, before she and her brother joined the Avengers. And so when they were with the Avengers, uh, at that point, the comic book writers decided to have Wanda become a true witch because that she was only like a mutant before. So she did end up training with Agatha Harkness to learn how to control her chaos magic. Uh, she did fall in love and marry Vision, and, but his story kind of follows what happens in WandaVision and... You know, he's dismantled and his personality gets erased, so it pretty much ruined their marriage. Yep, and I'll get into all that when I discuss White Vision. Yeah. But then when she learned her children weren't real, because they were created from Mephisto's soul, it caused her to have a mental breakdown. And Agatha, like you said, had to wipe Wanda's memory. But that does not bode well for them at all. No. Because then Wanda turned into Dark Scarlet Witch on us. Uh... Uh, when she realized the Avengers made her forget her own children, she subconsciously altered reality and killed some of them, she said. Um, and she was finally defeated by Doctor Strange. But then a very rageful Wanda depowered most of Earth's mutants in response. So she basically became a pariah towards Avengers and X-Men and spent the next 10 years trying to atone for what she did. I wonder how they're, if they're going to fit that into the next Doctor Strange movie. Like we always, you know, we've talked about and we know that she's going to be part of it, but how is she going to be a part of it? Is she going to be a villain? Is she going to be a hero? We don't know. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I, I mean, we're going to get to like the future of what's going to have maybe happen with Scarlet Witch and Vision. So I do have some notes on Doctor Strange too. We'll get to at the end, but it's interesting you okay. bring that up. Cool because I think it'll have some tie-ins. Um, but just so you aren't left on a bad note, the uh, Scarlet Witch in the comics, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. She did get a, a redemption arc, 
and Wanda ends up getting to be reunited with her sons, Wiccan and Speed, who get reincarnated. And actually, they learned that Wanda made a deal with Doctor Doom, who is from Fantastic Four, to use something called Earth's Life Force. So that gave her the power to find her kids, but it ended up causing her to lose her grip on reality. So it, it kind of explains her past actions, doesn't maybe excuse them, but it gives you a sense of like she was a little bit out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so since then, her powers have gone back to normal where they've remained relatively tame since. So You know, that's basically a running theme with these superheroes that is at some point they lose control of themselves. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't you with all that power? I mean, mm-hmm. it's hard to live life mentally sane as enough as it is, let alone I can't imagine having superhuman powers. Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, her story, her, her arc in comic books does still kind of mirror her MCU arc where there is a lot of this trauma and you know, her trying to find a family, but then family is just like another source of pain for her. So Mm -hmm. hopefully it gets better for Wanda. Um, All right. So also at the end of episode eight, we get a very surprising end credit scene. Um, We find out Hayward was in fact able to use Wanda's power supply to bring back vision, but it is white vision, which didn't know that was a thing mm-hmm. we see a lot in this episode just... go ahead but i have some notes on this episode that i'm not sure if you know about so okay i, I the only thing i was gonna say is that poor paul has had to be in so many colors he was red <laughs> um i don't know if you guys know this but in the black and white scenes they actually had to paint him blue to to match like the style of the 50s and 60s so he's been red he's been blue and now he's been white. And I'm like, damn, I hope he has a good skincare routine. Right? So you talked about the Darkhold, which is the Book of the Damned. And this actually makes up a whole season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I know you didn't watch mm. it, but I watched all of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I loved it. And they, the yeah. Darkhold is a big part of one of their seasons. So if you want to know more about the Darkhold, they go into it a lot. Okay. Um... I don't know why I just paused so long. (laughs) Agatha talks about how the Scarlet Witch is forged, not born. And did you notice that her, she said her power, they said her power exceeds the Sorcerer Supreme, which is Doctor Strange. Yes. Which I thought was really cool. It's setting her up for that Doctor Strange movie. And it is her destiny to destroy the world. Yup. Yup. Yikes. Uh, let's see. I wonder how much she'll be able to control, like, the good and the evil. Right, right, which is why I'm interested to see her in Doctor Strange, too. Like, you know, and I, I want to hear what you have to say about what you learned. Um, yeah. We see the boys in this episode become the Young Avengers, kind of. Uh, yes. The twins, mm-hmm. when they they do their pose to, to fight, they it's kind of setting them up to become Young Avengers. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about White Vision later. You, can, I mean, if you want to get into it now, um, that's a, that's fine with you, because they did bring it up at the end of episode eight. Yeah, we can get into White Vision. So I did a little, re- little research on White Vision from the comics. Um, he was created for the comics in 1989 by John Byrne, 
in West Coast Avengers number 45. So earlier, in earlier comics, uh, Vision was taken control of and used as a weapon. And after he kind of comes out of this and he gets himself back, he has a bit of a psychotic break, if you can, like, call a synthesoid psychotic and he attempted (laughs) (laughs) he attempted to control every computer on earth and conquer the world um and then after this he and wanda join the west coast avengers which is based out of los angeles and at this point the government sees him as a threat because of his access to advanced computer systems and government databases and they have concerns that the vision's mind may have accessed classified data So different governments from around the world band together to create a coalition of operatives to capture him, dismantle him, and wipe his memories. So he is reprogrammed in issues 43 and 44, and they show him as a disassembled machine. In episode, I'm sorry, in in issue 45 of West Coast Avengers, Uh, Hank Pym reassembles the vision with no personality, emotion, humanity, etc. And as a side note, in Avengers number 57, Hank Pym creates Ultron. So it's different in the comics than it is in the movies. Because in the movies, yeah, in the movies, it's Iron Man and uh, Banner that create Ultron. And in the comics, it's Hank Pym. So Hank Pym creates Ultron, who in turn creates the vision. And Vision was actually created from the body of an original World War II era android called the Human Torch. And I read a note that this is seen as an Easter egg in Captain America. So I'm going to have to go back and see what I can say. Oh. Isn't the Human Torch Fantastic Four too? Yes, but that's a different Human Torch. Okay. This is an android Human Torch. Um, and then, of course, Vision turns against Ultron and becomes an Avenger. Um, Mm -hmm. In the comics, Vision is not powered by the Mind Stone, but by a solar energy-absorbing gem, which allows him to, like, shoot laser beams from his head. Gemstone. (laughs) So, uh, Wonder Wonder Man is the original source of Vision's personality, and when Hank Pym brings Vision back, he doesn't have that anymore, because Wonder Man refuses to lend his brain patterns again to restore Vision. Also, Wonder Man had a thing for Wanda and was jealous of her marriage to Vision. Ooh. So he is resurrected as the White Vision with no memories, no personality, no emotion, no humanity. And the white color is due to irreparable damage to his skin, quote unquote. Ah. Um, So now he's back and he has none of his previous memories. Mm-hmm. Wanda and Vision's marriage is actually annulled in the comics because Vision insists that he is not the Vision that Wanda fell in love with. So, again, Wanda. Poor Wanda. I'm sorry, Wanda. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, at this point, he is working with the Avengers. He is the White Vision. Um, but he starts to think about life outside the Avengers And he goes to a scientist who helps start the process of giving the white vision humanity. First, he gives him a human disguise as Victor Shade, so he can be around people and study human behavior. Mm. Um, And then the scientist uploads the brain patterns of his late son to give him the capacity for emotional growth. Huh. So. Interesting. Yeah. Now, 
a character called Anti-Vision is introduced. Anti-Vision is from an alternate reality. I'm sorry, an alternate oh, an alternate universe. And he is basically the opposite of White Vision. He is all emotion, all feeling. Hence the anti. Right. But he also has the original Vision look. So Anti-Vision swaps places with White Vision effectively restoring the original Vision's form because now Anti-Vision is in White Vision's body. Jesus did, did you Did you follow that? <laughs> did you follow? Because it took me a minute. So, yeah, I, I got you. So the True Vision later defeats Anti-White or Anti or the White Vision in the 1994 miniseries Vision, written by Bob Harris, or Harris but he's never quite the same. Um, mm. And Wanda and Vision's relationship actually doesn't survive in the comics. Wanda has moved on, and she's unwilling to rekindle their relationship, and Vision agrees reluctantly. Um, and then he actually dates around in the comics. <laughs> he even dates Carol Danvers at one point. What? Yeah. So that's how he goes from... Vision to white vision to anti-vision back to regular vision again. <laughs> Dang. I wonder how much of that they're going to use in the MCU. Yeah, because it's a lot. That's a bit of a, a headache. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then if you, it kind of ties into the series because when vision and white vision are battling each other, um, white vision or vision tells white vision that he has the data. It's just being kept from him. Yeah. Um, and then the f- quote-unquote fake vision gives the data back to the white vision. So it's kind of that anti-vision vision, white vision yeah, setup, setup trili- <laughs> you know, triad sort of thing. Uh-huh. Yep. Oh, cool. Yep. That's pretty cool to hear about. Uh, white vision, I'm, like I said, excited to see, obviously, at the end of episode nine he flies away and then we don't see him we have no idea what happened to him i know go again have some future theories about how he might come back but yeah i wonder how much it'll be taken from the comic Mm -hmm. books cool okay well we're gonna wrap up this uh episode by getting into episode nine um Hang in there with us, guys. We are almost almost done. Um, <laughs> it's going to be a long one this time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Wanda uses her powers against Agatha. But every time she does, her skin blackens and the life is sucked out of her, which is like Agatha's whole shtick. Um, Wanda also ends up seeing White Vision appear. She thinks it's the real him, but then he tries to crush her skull. And I was like, yikes. That's got to <laughs> suck. Like, I love you. Oh, you're going to. Crush my soul. <laughs> Crush my face. Yeah. <laughs> Crush my soul. That too. <laughs> I was looking at my notes. I have something about soul written down. It's a whole thing. Um, yeah, but so then Red Vision comes in to rescue Wanda, and then we've got it set up so that both Visions are fighting, and then Agatha and Wanda are, are battling it out. But meanwhile, Monica is stuck in Agatha's attic with Ralph, and as we've said before, Monica discovers that it's actually Ralph Boner, Haha, <laughs> boner. Uh-huh, boner. And yeah, boner joke. And Agatha was controlling him with a necklace. But there's some like questions of could Agatha's magic have given him powers? That was exactly my question that I wrote down. How the heck does Ralph still have powers? Yeah, I have a lot of questions about that. 
I think there's still theories out there that he's part of the multiverse in some ways yep. and still kind of connected yep. to Quicksilver, but that's my theory. Don't know what'll happen with that. Yeah. So then Agatha and Wanda meet up at the town square. This is where Agatha talks to her about the dark hold and tells her it's her destiny to destroy the world. But then Agatha awakens the whole town, and the townspeople start to surround Wanda. And this is where she finally realizes that how much pain that they are in, that when they sleep, they have her nightmares. She's like, no, you're all fine. And they're like, fuck, no, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not okay. This is not okay. Um, and, you know, you and I had this conversation last time that if, you know, did Wanda really know what she was doing? And I still stand firm that I don't think that... She knew what she did consciously. I mean, maybe subconsciously she was, but... I think yeah. she knew that she created this reality and she was controlling these people. That part, I think she knew. I don't think she knew that it was painful for them. After this episode, yes. I don't think she knew. How, or if she... Maybe not, like, physically painful. Maybe she knew it just, you know, it had to suck a little bit. But maybe she didn't realize that they were living her grief. Yeah, it was a little, she thought maybe, oh, it's just a little uncomfy for them. Right, but no, right. they were in agony. And the other part of it, too, is that, I like you said, we don't think, we don't think that she knew that they were in this amount of pain. But she's also now faced with this dilemma where she has to either save the people of Westview, who didn't ask for this to happen to them at all, or save her family. Yep. And it's such a tough choice for her so i understand how it could be difficult yeah, for her to have to give that we up. realize her family can't exist without this fake world and i think one of the most important mm -hmm. lines in this episode is when agatha says to her heroes don't torture people yeah because it I makes her really it, absolutely her. it made her realize like oh shit this really is torture and i'm supposed to be a hero yeah um there is that one part, too, where the townspeople end up all talking over one another and Wanda mistakenly chokes them, which I was like, oops, not a good look for you. <laughs> not a good look. Um, but then this is when she decides to let them all go. So I do have two funny stories about this scene that I did not want to share, and they both come from David Payton, um, who, when he did that Instagram Live, this is what I've been saving because I'm so excited to share. So, again, David Payton plays Herb. So the first part of this is that David went hiking for seven hours the day before they shot this scene, which was not a good idea no. because there's a lot of physicality that goes into this episode. Um, so he said, like, if you watch closely, you can see how bad he is at running away in the scene. And I did. And it was. I'm going to have to rewatch <laughs> that part now. Please do. Um, it was pretty funny. And then the other, the second, poor, poor Herb did not have a good day today, <laughs> this day. But during the choking scene, when all the townspeople start to collapse, David said, his pants were a little snug that day. And when he went to bend down, he heard a rip and felt a breeze. Oh, and no. so he ripped his pants. Herb, come on our podcast and talk about ripping your pants, please. Thank you. <laughs> He was basically like, I can't believe I just shared that story. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, so I thought it would add a little bit of, of lightheartedness to what is otherwise a very depressing scene. Um, so I thought that was fun to hear. 
So now, like we said, WandaVision and the twins meet up. They each kind of get paired off to fight different people. So Wanda's fighting Agatha, Vision and White Vision are fighting, and then the twins are, uh, and Monica joins up with them and they're fighting Sword, which they pretty much kick Sword's ass and um, Hayward pretty easily, especially when like Darcy slams into Mm -hmm. him at the very end with the the funnel truck. I love that part so much. That Incredibles pose that the family did just gave me all the feels. I like, I gave a little like, oh, when I saw it. It's literally, even the camera like zooming up Uh to see them from down to that total slight detail. Yeah. Um, Okay, so I did want to get into more of this vision and vision fight, which doesn't even become a physical fight. It's more of a battle of the minds, which I read was so on brand for Vision to to have that. So this part was also like something my husband was really interested in and got into because uh, he majored in philosophy in college. So he recognized the theory and then it made me like want to dive into it more and research it and unpack it. So this conversation happens actually in the comics. Um, It's in Avengers number six between Vision and a future version of himself. Um, And apparently Jack Schaefer didn't even know when they wrote the script that this was a scene in the comic books. They just happened upon it. That's pretty cool. So I'm like, that's fate. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to get into this thing called the ship of Theseus. So the the ship of Theseus is a philosophical thought experiment that comes from a Greek historian named Plutarch. And it's, it's basically a problem of identity, which is interesting given that for the past few episodes, the vision Wanda has created keeps asking the question, uh, who am I? You know, and he keeps wondering what his backstory is. So the story is back in ancient Greece, there was a legendary king of Athens named Theseus. And the people in Athens honored him by preserving his ship in the port. So it stayed there over hundreds of years. So obviously some of the wood planks would rot and they'd have to replace them. But at a certain point, so many planks were replaced that no original parts of the uh, ship remained. So the question the ship of Theseus postulates, you like that? I like big word. Good job. Uh, is how can every part of something be replaced and still be the same thing? So some say that because the changes happen gradually over time, it's still the same ship. But others say that because Theseus never set foot on the restored ship, it's not the same. And then the, the other part of this too, if you weren't already like having a mind boggle moment, um, is what if each piece of the original ship that was taken off, so like the ones with like the rot, were restored and used to rebuild the ship? Is that then the real ship? It's Ooh. it's like a mind fuck, basically. It really is. It's a total mind fuck. Yeah. And it really is symbolic of this conversation of identity because we ourselves are changing all the time. So, you know, you're not the same person you were at three years old as you are at 30 years old, but yet you are still the same person you're just not like physically emotionally and mentally the same Mm -hmm. so ultimately it's a paradox um there really is no right answer but it's still like really interesting to think about and dive into um especially when it comes to identity so 
And, you know, when we think about it in terms of red vision versus white vision, which vision is the true vision? So they have this conversation where they're fleshing it out and both are missing key pieces of what makes up the original vision. So white vision is mis missing the mind stone and red vision is missing his original material. So as white vision says, neither and both are the true ship. I love that part. Neither is the yeah. true ship. Both are the true neither ship. Neither and both. Yeah. And the rot is the memories. Ugh. Uh, and the wear and tear the voyages. Uh, so it's interesting too because if you think back to Infinity War, they had this similar conversation when they wanted to remove the Mind Stone from Vision. They thought, well, well, the Mind Stone is Vision. You can't have the Mind Stone without Vision. But then it was brought up that no, Vision is lots of parts. He's the Mind Stone. He's Jarvis. He's Ultron. There's all of these mm -hmm. different things that make up who he is and go into his being. So it's kind of like a callback to that in a way, which I think is interesting. So then Red Vision equates, like we said, the rock to the memories and he restores White Vision's memories to which White Vision says, I am Vision and flies away. So what I wanna ask is, is he Vision? Do you think? Yes, I think. I think he's got Vision's body now he has the memories and he's got the, I mean, he's, he's vision, but he's a new vision. Just like you said, like we're us, but we're new us's. We're not the same mm -hmm. people that we were six years ago, 10 years ago. Um, mm -hmm. to, I, I think I'll be able to fully gauge my answer once we see what the MCU decides to do with the new vision. But mm -hmm. I think with the memories and with the body, I would consider him vision. I do. I do too, to, an, to a certain degree. I think that him having the, the whole like conversation of this ship of Theseus is that we're the same person because we have our memories and we have our lived experiences. So in some regards, I think vision is vision. But at the same time, I think he's not the same vision. Like he may mm -hmm. have all of the memories, but he doesn't have the lived experience of living through it. So I feel like he's missing that um, maybe like emotional part of it. Possibly. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So I and I read like it's kind of equated to he's alive, but with no soul in a, hmm. in a sense. So, yeah. An interesting tidbit I read about him in the movies is that he isn't he doesn't actually have any color. He projects the color onto himself. Oh. And then so like when you see him die in Infinity War and he turns gray, mm -hmm. it's because his mind is no longer no longer projecting those colors onto his skin or his uh. himself. So um like that's could be why he's white in the movie uh. because he's not projecting those colors onto himself. I feel like it's also a little bit of like being reborn. Like my husband talked about it. He's like kind of re this form of reincarnation in a sense. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like he's starting from a blank slate and he's from scratch in a oh, sense. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Go, so, look at you. Look at your husband getting all theoretical. He loves getting into that philosophy stuff. It's awesome. Putting that degree to use. <laughs> I know. 
Uh, so yeah, that was a little bit about Ship of Theseus. I thought it would be fun to dive into because it is such a small part of episode nine, but I think it is such an important conversation Absolutely. about Vision's identity. Yeah. So now Wanda and Agatha are left. Agatha is trying to bargain with her. She wants her powers and says, I'll correct the flaws in your spell so you can stay with your family, which we turn, we find out is a lie, which surprise there. But um, Agatha, or I'm sorry, Wanda acts like she accepts and is giving Agatha her powers, but it was a trick because Wanda set up the runes that Agatha taught her about. I like that that she only saw those runes like very briefly in Agatha's basement, mm-hmm. but she remembered all of them and she knew how to make them, which to me is like, yeah, she really is a witch. Like that was just another nod towards her absolutely being a witch. Yeah, and so smart too, just mm-hmm. to remember that in a in a in the state that she was in because she was under Agatha's control, but to like preserve that in her memory, right? And then use it back at her. I thought was a really good callback um, because maybe it was just there all along because she yeah. is made of chaos magic. Well, and with chaos magic, you can do whatever you want. So maybe yep. she didn't even know how to. She just did it. It just happened, right? It was just ingrained yeah. in her. Yeah. Uh, so then Wanda says, I don't need you to tell me who I am. And I was like, gonna, I pretty much like stood up and cheered at this point. I kid you, you not. You go, girl. <laughs> you do it. It was such a powerful moment, too, of her accepting and embracing herself. And right. she hasn't even tapped into her full potential of her powers yet. I mean. Oh, God, not even close. No, just like little mini, mini, like minuscule right. part. Right. So she takes Agatha's magic and becomes Scarlet Witch uh, that was in her vision all those years ago. And she gets a badass costume on top of it. Like, yeah, that she was does. gnarly. Yeah. Her hair, her crown, which, again, could be tied back to that Atlantean magic. I'd be interested to see mm-hmm. if they do anything with that. Um, yeah. She's just a badass. But to get this, she has to give up everything that she loves. Oh, I know. I do want to um, share a little bit about how they created her costume. So it's a blend of modern designs from the Uncanny Avengers and then the infamous Scarlet Witch series. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen also had some input on the final design. She, you know, needed to have like flexibility and be able to do her little hand motions. So that was part of it that it had to be functional. Uh, and then when they were creating the crown, they were going to have it be smaller, but then they were like, go big or go home. Mm-hmm. And it's big in the comics, too. It's not small in the comics. Yeah. So it really matches up. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the Instagram story I shared where it was more of like a box shape. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm, glad, I'm glad they didn't go that route. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then, like we said, Wanda banishes Agatha to live in Westview as the nosy neighbor forever. But this is definitely not the last we're going to be seeing. So I have a question here. Agatha Mm -hmm. calls her cruel for doing this. Do you think this makes her cruel? No. I think she's keep, I think would be cruel if she killed her. I mean, she's keeping an eye on her. Although, I mean, Wanda, or I'm sorry, Agatha is being trapped within her own mind. So yeah, that's pretty bad. But Agatha also asked for it. 
as as she is portrayed in this series. I think yeah, she asked yeah. for it. I also like that Agatha says to her, you're going to need me. Because in the comics, Agatha was a teacher of Wanda and helped yeah. her learn to control her chaos magic. I hope so. I hope that happens. And I feel yeah. like it's potentially, like, she could even come back in Doctor Strange 2, mm-hmm. depending on what happens. So. Yep. Um, so now Wanda has to say goodbye to her family. She starts to bring the hex down. Uh, Wanda and Vision tuck the twins in one last time. And then she says goodbye to Vision. Uh. When Vision says, I've been a voice with no body, a body but not human, and now a memory made real. Who knows what I might be next? Like, uh. just my heart. And it also... You said that. I just got goosebumps. Right? It also helps, like, we have this question, what is Vision going to do next? Like, who is he? What is he? So I mm-hmm. think that kind of sets that up. I also like how his question this whole time gets answered of what am I? And Wanda says, you are the piece of the Mind Stone that lives in me. You are my sadness, my hope, but most of all, you are my love. Yeah, tears. Yeah. Um, I also read that in the fact that Wanda says that this version of Vision is part of the Mind Stone that lives inside her is really huge because even though the stone is destroyed, the power will always still be within Wanda. Yep. So she's essentially taken over that. Mm-hmm. Um, so then with Vision and Wanda say we've said goodbye before, so it stands to reason we'll say hello again. And Vision goes so long, darling. And then he's gone and my heart is broken. Yes. Shattered. Did you know that, according to the filmmakers, this all happens within the span of a week? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean... How crazy is that? It makes sense because, yeah. It's also, what, like, how many days since the blip? Or not the blip, but, like, them coming back. Like, it's maybe... I think it's, like... I read, like, three weeks? Three weeks, yeah. Three weeks after the blip happens. Or, the you know, the coming back happens. Um, And like you said, it's in between Endgame and Spider-Man Far From Home. So... Right. It's a very short period of time. Yeah. Spider-Man Far From Home, I think, is something like eight months after. Mm-hmm. Something like, it's way longer. So it's interesting how, and they didn't really talk about it much in Spider-Man Far From Home, except for like that witch's reference. So Right, right. Um, but then at the end, Wanda flies off because the townspeople are pretty much pissed at her. It's kind of reminiscent of persecution from the Salem witch trials Mm -hmm. I think a little bit and then you know she's gonna go learn about her amazing powers as as we see I'm interested to see how like because the Sokovian Accords are still a thing I guess like they were before the blip so are they when we come back so I'm interested to see like what happens to her now is she gonna is she wanted is she you know is she seen as a villain or is or is the government still looking for her um there are so many questions i know i did read i mean i don't think that they're gonna be asking for her help anytime soon <laughs> no 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 and not that she would give it either like she's given her a lot to them and i don't and think she needs to anymore that thing you shared to the stories on our instagram i thought that was really cool with the interview when they're talking about scarlet witch oh yeah Kevin Feige pretty much confirmed she is the strongest Avenger, which mm-hmm. it doesn't surprise me at, at the least. Um, I want to know when we're going to see the boys again. You know, when we're going to see the twins again. Too. How are they going to bring them back? Are they going to 
because they're going to have to, because you know they're going to do Young Avengers. So how are they going to reincorporate them back into the MCU? I feel like if they do bring them back, they're going to be teenagers or, like, older. Oh, yeah, Um, yeah. Because they'll have to, like, I I mean, for logistics as far as the actors go, but, Mm -hmm. you know, to bring them into that team, I think they'd at least have to be young adults. So, yeah, I'm excited to see how they do that. I'm pretty sure they're teenagers in the Young Avengers, though. Yeah. And that might be why they were saving them, because we talked about last time, why they didn't age Billy and Tommy up to be teenagers, and so potentially, like, maybe that's why they're saving mm-hmm. that's it a good point. for this Young Avengers series. Yeah. Um, okay, so what is next for Wanda and Vision? Uh, obviously, given the end credit in the series finale, Wanda's astral projecting, which is what Doctor Strange does. So this was pretty much setting her up to be in Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. Um, she's already confirmed to be part of the cast. She basically finished WandaVision and then went to film mm-hmm. uh, Doctor Strange 2. So the question, though, is, is she going to be the villain? Um, so I came across an old casting synopsis for the film, and it says, quote, Doctor Stephen Strange's continuing research on the Time Stone is hindered by a friend-turned-enemy resulting in strange unleashing unspeakable evil what yeah Ooh. so that is like goosebump inducing right so potentially wanda could be the villain and maybe chiton is the unspeakable evil that's awesome Ooh, we'll see. I don't know when Doctor Strange 2 is supposed to come out. I don't know if they've set a date yet. Obviously, like, they're still filming. So it could be later this year or early next year. I saw something that set a date yesterday, and I totally forgot what date it said. Oh, man. Do you want to look it up while I... Oh, yeah, I'll look it up. I was going to say, do you want to look it up while I while I go through the rest of this? So yeah. um, it, it's also very likely that WandaVision will return, and it's possible it may... Or not WandaVision stupid um it's it's possible white vision will return and it's uh possible it may happen in doctor strange too um yeah it looks like the release date is march 25th 2022 so we have a whole year (laughs) dang it i was really hoping for sooner but oh well it's fine it's fine everything's fine um okay personally like We've talked about uh, how Wanda and Vision don't reconnect in the comics after he gets he gets his uh, memory wiped, and I don't see that Wanda and White Vision will reconnect in the MCU because he's not her Vision anymore. And I also feel like it'd be really counter to this whole story arc that Wanda has had to go through to get to overcome her grief for him. So I don't see them. I mean, they might interact, but I don't see them being a, a, a couple in the future yeah, anymore. I don't think so either. I think they're both on, like, self-fulfilling journeys. Mm-hmm. Which is cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, so do you want to talk about the Marvel release schedule? Because I just pulled it up since we talked about that. Yes, please. Okay. So we've got Loki, the TV show, coming to Disney Plus on June 11th. And then Can't we've wait. got the movie Black Widow coming out July 9th of 2021. Excited. Uh, we've got the movie Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings coming out September 3rd, 2021. Yep, trailer's out for that. 
We've got the TV show Ms. Marvel coming out in late 2021. We have Eek. the movie The Eternals coming out November 5th, 2021. Yes. Hawkeye is getting his own series, apparently, which is coming out in late 2021. Uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, December 17th, 2021. Mm. A show called Moon Knight. <gasps> yes. Which is Mark Spector, who's kind of like a Bruce Wayne figure who uses his, his riches to fight crime. That's coming out in 2022. Yeah, my husband is really excited for that and uh the guy who plays moon knight is the one of the actors from the new star wars oscar um, isaac movies that they created yeah so after that we've got doctor strange and the multiverse of madness march 25th 2022 uh and then we have the tv show she hulk coming out in 2022 and she hulk is supposed to be a cousin of bruce banner yep yep so that is part of phase four. I think there's more. I don't think that one had everything on it. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, there are like, a, there's one, I don't know if it's like, I don't think it's going to be part of the storyline, but they are doing something called what if, and it's supposed to be like, what if um, Peggy Carter had taken the serum instead of Steve Rogers and it's supposed to, oh, it's, nice. it's a comic book. So they're going to retell that, and it's going to be all animated, which is be cool. Yeah, it looks like that comes out this summer. Um, so Yay. a movie that that article missed was Thor Love and Thunder, and that oh, yeah. looks to be coming out February 11th, 2022. Nice. I love Thor. Mm-hmm. So I think that's cool. the only one it missed. So basically, um, Loki's the next one coming yes. up in June. Yes. Loki cool. will be out in June. And I still have to finish Yay. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We haven't finished it yet. Yeah. that All of those episodes just uh, are live now. So you can definitely go go binge watch that. That show is incredible, too. Um, speaking of, you brought up the Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm -hmm. There is a... I don't know if this is confirmed, but supposedly WandaVision, Doctor Strange 2, and Spider-Man 3 are part of a trilogy, according to Kevin Feige. Really? So, yeah. And so, potentially, like, Wanda might be showing up in Spider-Man 3. Don't know. But it is interesting because um, they just announced recently that the original actors who played Dr. Octopus, who was um, Alfred Molina, and then Electro, who was played by Jamie Foxx, they're going to reprise their roles in Spider-Man 3. So what if this is evidence of the multiverse? I just was about to say that. Oh, no. Sorry. No, no, no. <laughs> it's fine. Because I also read that there's this tease that Tobey Maguire and um, Andrew Garfield might be in the movie. And that could also yes. be part of that multiverse theory. I hope they do it. I think Ugh. that'd be really cool. It would be really cool to see that play out. Um yeah, so much coming up. I'm excited. You know, it's been fun, like, getting into all of these Marvel theories. And I feel like WandaVision was a really good jumping off point to, like, get back into, what, now we're in phase four? Yeah, phase four. Phase four. 
Also, they're making a new Venom. Did you know that? That wasn't on the list for some reason. There's oh. there's a new Venom coming out in 2021. Are they remaking it or it's, continuing? It's a different story. I think it's going to have um, Woody Harrelson as uh, Carnage. Oh, nice. So, I mean, it's it's a continuation. Tom Hardy is still going to be Venom, I think. And then Woody Harrelson is going to be Carnage. That's also another thing. They are bringing in some A-game actors. Like, um, oh, shoot. What's her name? Daenerys from Game of Thrones. Um, Amelia Clark. Mm-hmm. She's going to be, I think, joining Secret Invasion. And then I heard Kit Harington, who is also from Game of Thrones, is going to be joining, I think, Moon Knight. Uh, oh, wow. Series. Really? So, I'm, I'm yeah. s- like, stoked to see where they what they do with this phase four. I think it's going to be amazing. Me too. I love the element of the TV series too. Yeah, that adding that yeah. In. I I think everyone was like really sad when Iron Man died and Captain America died, and you know you just felt like that was like the end. But yeah. with this Phase Four, they're bringing it back to life, doing so much more stuff. I feel reignited. I do like, too. I think, and I think we needed a a significant break after Endgame because it crushed everybody's mm-hmm. souls. But now I'm ready. And I did read also that this article came out a couple months ago that the MCU is going to be introducing more superheroes who are female and people of color. So that's awesome. I hope that's the case. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, okay, so I think to wrap up, should we do the binge bar? Sure, let's do the binge bar. I totally forgot about binge bar. Let's do it. Do you want me to go first? I do or? want you to go first. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> So I am going to give it a 10 out of 10, guys. And you know what? I might get some some eye rolls, some some whatnots, but you know what? I don't care because I loved, absolutely loved this show. Um, I love the storyline. I appreciated getting to, to see Wanda like process through her grief. It's not something that, you know, can be easily explored in a movie that's like two hours long. So I liked that we got to have it play out in a show. Um and I thought it was really poetic that we got to see her go through this whole character arc. That was truly amazing. Um, the acting was superb. Everyone brought their A-game. Catherine Hahn is a national treasure. She really is. No questions about that. Uh, I really liked Evan Peters' cameo, even though everyone was upset about it, whatever. I don't care. I thought it was clever and funny. Um I thought using the sitcoms as the backbone for the whole series was also genius, like chef's kiss. <laughs> um, snaps, Kevin Feige, snaps. Yeah, snaps. Oh, snap. Oh, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the amount of work and detail that went into creating everything was pretty much perfection, and the music was my favorite. So, yeah, that's why I give it a 10 out of 10, guys. Okay, so I'm also going to give it a 10 out of 10. Um <laughs> it really just was amazing the way that they led the story where they did and you're right this you know Wanda's character arc is just perfect and I get that people are mad because it differs from the comics but if you look back on all of the MCU's movies they do vary from the comics in some form or another it can't be spot on all the time so you know I think that they I like that they did some original things and that they also brought in some parts from the comics to to keep it fresh and new and 
Um, like you said, the actors all really just committed to their parts and brought their A game. Um, I love the writing in it. I love the the different Easter eggs, the different parts that you know people wouldn't really think to know about unless you looked into it even more because it made you think about mm-hmm. it. It made you want to do research and want to find yeah. out what this means or what that means or like the whole ship of Theseus thing was so cool to me. I would have never yeah. you know wanted to know what that was about until I watched this series. Um, and I just really think they did a great job with it. So I and it's something that I would want I would watch again, even though I've watched it yes. several times now. <laughs> because you're always gonna find something that you missed the first time. Yeah. And I find that with even Marvel movies. Like mm-hmm. if it's on TV, like on TNT or I'm a watcher. I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna turn that even though I've seen it twenty times, I'm gonna watch it again because it's so good. Yep. Um the other thing too that I loved is that I mean I think this happens within the case with a lot of shows, but there was so much collaboration that yes. it does feel like everyone got to have a say in what was going on, and I feel like you can see that that how that played out once they had the final product that everybody's voice got to be heard. And like I said in the beginning, it set up so much for the future of the MCU. Like mm-hmm. just this one show gave us so many questions about what's going to happen in the MCU and set up so many different movies and other TV series. And I just think that it's a great, like, shooting off point for for Phase 4. Yeah, they had so much pressure put on them to be the launching off point. I think they did an incredible job Absolutely. Um, And it's my first 10 out of 10 score for the Binge Me bar. I think it's mine too, isn't it? Did I give anything a 10 so far? Yeah. No, did, did no, no. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think. I think we gave um, flight attendant nines because of the the plot yeah. falls and <laughs> in yeah. that show. Yeah, um, and this is our tenth episode, so it what? kind of like all goes ten together. out of ten, y'all. Speaking of, if you listen to us and you want to rate us, give us five stars and give us a little blurb of review. Because there's some sort of algorithm that bumps us up so that everybody can see us, so that people, more people will listen to us and we can keep doing this for you. Yep. And we did get our first written review from someone. We did. Whoever you are, thank you. I know. So kind of you. Thank you so much. And please, like, share us with your friends and your family. We want to try to, you know, get out there and, and have more people listen to us so we can keep doing this. You can also follow us on our Instagram page at Binge Me Podcast, where we share binge-worthy news when new episodes drop, and then you can find out what new shows we are recapping. Which, speaking of, since we're done with WandaVision, <laughs> we have a new show to come up with, um, and we have decided to make it be about the Cecil Hotel uh true crime docuseries on netflix yes and i'm very excited so make sure that you go and you watch that we're going to do it in a two-parter uh we'll do the first two episodes and then the second two episodes so you'll make you want to make sure that you watch that before we do our review because we'll get into all sorts of stuff about it um i know i personally have listened to a bunch of true crime podcasts about the cecil um especially Alyssa lamb so i'm really excited to watch it and see what they have to say me too. I watched the first episode already, and uh, my jaw pretty much dropped at the end. So nice. just a little tease for you there. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Um, where else, Claire? 
<laughs> like search just search us we're binge me podcast binge me the podcast or binge me podcast yeah yeah all right guys well until next time we will binge you later binge you later bye bye